It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 118. We've got some heavy subjects to cover, but let's begin with some good news. Let me start with asking you, which country's national anthem is this? We shall never fail when called to suffer. We shall give our lives for glory, soldiers of God and of our homeland. That, of course, is, as you recognize, the Sudanese national anthem. And we've got good news from Sudan. Uh, Sudan is the third largest Arab country. I was quite surprised when I mentioned that this week that somebody immediately said, no, no, they're not Arab. Why? Because you think of Sudanese and you think of dark-skinned people. No, no, Sudan is the third largest Arab country and has been an implacable foe of Israel, supported bin Laden and so on. It's on America's terror list. Well, last week, Sudan signed an agreement whereby they're going to seek to recognize work with Israel, along with the UAE and Bahrain. That is an astonishing achievement, particularly for the Americans and for Donald Trump. If, if he's done nothing else, you know, it's quite extraordinary, isn't it, that President Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize and didn't bring peace anywhere. Uh, President Trump has had just an extraordinary run of success in the Middle East of all places. And of course, no chance of him ever getting the Peace Prize. But wonderful news. Not such wonderful news in Nigeria, where suspected Fulani extremists have murdered a Christian man called Justin Patrick, a 25-year-old guy walking home from work. He is one of several hundred who have been killed this year already. Where's the outrage about all of this? Why aren't we concerned about these things? You know, I encourage us to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in Nigeria. And let's not forget that these things are going on. Good morning, Mr. President Trump. It's good to see you again. At 4.30, the Lord said to me, I am going to give your president a second win. All right. We have to come to the American presidential election. And that also is something to pray for. Now, President Donald Trump attended the International Church of Las Vegas, where the senior associate pastor, Denise Gullett, I think is how you say her name, prophesied a second presidential win. At 4.30, the Lord said to me, I'm going to give your president a second win, said uh, Gullett. The Lord said he's ready for the next four years. I'm just curious what happens here. If... Donald Trump does not win. You know, in the Old Testament, prophets were to be stoned. Well, we'll not go that far, but would Pastor Denise retain her job? Her husband, 
senior leader Paul Goulet said to Trump, this is your third time here, that means you're a church member. That's a very strange definition of church membership. Well, I want to just say this is a great honor and you are something special, very special. Thank you, sir. A little rough around the edges and that's what's beautiful and you (laughs) did it, I'll tell you. I go to many churches and I love going to churches, but uh, this has been my third. And we'll be back many times, I will say that. But uh, both of you, really, the job you do is incredible. And I know you've had a rough time in terms of the city. This has been a tough place. But the job you've done to get people back is really very special. I want to thank you. I will only say this. We are with you 100%. We are uh, telling you, you better get out, because we have a a group on the other side that doesn't agree with us. You understand (laughs) that. And we happen to be right. Look, there are Christians who listen to this in America who will strongly support President Trump. I know, because you write me. And there are Christians who listen to this in America who are strongly opposed to President Trump. And there are Christians who are like John Piper who won't vote for either. That's not the issue here. The issue is it is wrong. It is absolutely wrong. It is blasphemous for us to claim divine sanction for our political views and divine endorsement for particular political candidates. As I said, we pray for the United States. It's much more complex than, you know, orange man bad or Biden good or Biden bad and Trump good. It's much more complex than that. But please, 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 let's let's have no more of this nonsense of uh, religious leaders endorsing as though they were God's chosen one, either candidate. And then I believe this is it right here. I believe that this is what's happening. There might have been a little bit of a setback, but that was nothing. It was a setup for the comeback Come of on. a double win. I decree and declare that right now. In Come, Jesus on. Name. Come on. So let's we bless you, Mr. President. We bless you. Lift up your hands and extend. Pasquale, why don't you pray for our president right now? Just pray. All right. I have a new heroine. We're going to talk about COVID, but this woman is marvelous. Here is Maureen, I think it's Eames, from Barnsley. All the people who are vulnerable should have been helped and kept on safe. And all the rest of us, I'm 83. I don't give a sod. I look at it this way. I've not got all that many years left of me, and I'm not going to be fastened in a house when the government have got it all wrong. We need, how can we get the country on its feet, money-wise? Where's all the money? By the end of this year, there's going to be millions of people unemployed, and you know who's going to pay for it? All the young ones. Not me, because I'm going to be dead. Now, Maureen has been doing uh, (laughs) the rounds on British television because she gave an interview, she was interviewed, and she's just so plain-spoken. She's in her 80s. I think she's 83 years old. And what I love about Maureen is... She's just, she points things out. I mean, one of the, she did an interview on Good Morning Television where some doctor uh, patronized her unbelievably. Just, oh, yuck. You know, spoke down to her. I tell you why I love Maureen, because she reminds me of my mother, who's in her 80s. Uh, I'm, my mother doesn't do technology, so she doesn't listen to this, so I can say what I want about her. But my mother, um, man, you, you ain't going to tell my mother what to do. You are not going to confine her to her home. I love what the Swedes have done here recently. The number of cases in their country has gone up, although not nearly as much as in other European countries where there's 
uh, including the UK, where there is considerable crisis. But the number has gone up. And instead of locking down, the Swedes have said, actually, we're going to remove restrictions from our older people because we have to be con- think of their public health. It's not fair that they can't go out to shopping malls, that they can't visit people. It's just not fair. And, you know, that's what my mother would say. Why should she stay with my dad in their house on their own without people able to visit them? What kind of life is that? It's really extraordinary that in the name of protecting elderly people, we're making their lives miserable. There's an excellent article I put a link to from Fraser Nelson in The Telegraph pointing out some of these things. One other thing with COVID is, um, again, a sad story from Melbourne, from Victoria, where there's good news in terms of the infection rate. Um, But this uh, man who is a father of four young boys, married man who'd struggled with depression before the lockdown came, he was getting better, he was taking exercise, he was going outside. When the lockdown came, he wasn't able to do so. Not Anyway, not uh, as much as he wanted to. He couldn't go, for example, to the beach. And it was too much for him and he killed himself. Yeah. See, life isn't as simple as modelling, showing how many people are infected or how many people have died with COVID or because of COVID. You've also got to ask... What harm are the lockdowns doing? And how many lives will be lost because of them? And that leads me on to consider, what about the church and what about worship? I I just heard of a church that has said it's not going to meet again until a, a, a vaccine is found. But what if an effective vaccine is not found? Is that it? Church over, devil wins. Here's a song you may recognize. That is, of course, Hillsong. Uh, Here I am to worship. Uh, You may have a lot of question marks, as I do, about some aspects of Hillsong, but I tell you this, they know how to praise. And I also have to admire uh, its leader, Brian Houston, for an article he wrote in the Sydney Morning Herald and for his call to fellow pastors to stand up against Australia's COVID-19 restrictions because he claims that Christians are being discriminated against as the numbers of at church services remain limited. After he spoke out, the numbers went up from 100 to 300, a figure that some of you can only envy. But you see, here's the problem. Last weekend in Sydney, 40,000 people crowded into a rugby league uh, final. Uh, rugby league, yeah, by the way, 
that a game that I thought was only for Northern English working class towns is big business here. People love their rugby league. 40,000 people in a stadium. The MCG have just announced they're going to be allowed to have 25,000 in Melbourne for the Boxing Day cricket. Normally it's 100,000, but 25,000 is better than none. Hillsong, if I remember correctly, Hillsong can fit 15,000 in their stadium, but they're allowed 300. Why? What's the reasoning behind that? And I think if you're in Scotland, if you're in America, different states, of course, if, if you're in England, if you're in other parts of the world, you may find that restrictions against churches are far stronger than restrictions against other groups. Why? What's the reason for that? Well, I think Mr. Houston was, uh, I think Brian Houston was spot on. Okay, we do have to come back to this. There have been two extraordinary stories from transgender. Firstly, this gentleman, Keith Price. Listen to what he has to say. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Trans rights are human rights. Of course, that is indisputable. The Equality Act 2010, enacted by a Labour government, was a major step in enshrining and promoting the rights of all nine protected characteristics and no one should have a problem in committing to defending and upholding those. I certainly don't. But it is foolish to pretend that there are not widely differing views in the current debate or that many people, especially women, are concerned about the impact on women's sex-based rights from changes both in legislation and within society and who fear not only that those rights are under threat, but that they are unable to raise legitimate questions and concerns without a hostile response. The treatment of Rosie Duffield and J.K. Rowling has made clear that those concerns are well-founded. Indeed, I was... He was a Labour councillor. He resigned because he was asked to sign up to a motion, does the usual, you know, trans women or women, trans men or men, and so on. And he refused to do it. He said it's not that simple. He said that there are women's rights involved here. And he's quite right. And now what's going to happen? Well, the students at uh, this Cambridge college where he is a porter, some of them have demanded that he be fired because he's not safe, etc., etc., etc. And he's likely to lose his job for saying something that's true. Or there's the Scottish poet Jenny Lindsay. Uh, listen to a wee bit of Scottish poetry. So this is the scene. Salty and briny. Iron grey. Outside the V&A on a Friday in February 2020. Permit me to say, she is not always an easy conversationalist. She went to you asking for a slap as well as for solace. We humans do that to rivers often. There's something about how you flow that makes us want you when our bodies are full of traumas. I am staring in the river. I am staring at the river. I've walked here slowly, but as if with purpose, and my poet coat is flapping long and silvery. I am smoking a cigarette. I am looking morosely. I am a poet acting poetly by a river. This is the scene about about the Tay. I, I, I think it's wonderful. We won't have time to, to hear the whole thing. 
but she's a poet. She's a performance poet. Um, I like her stuff. She objected to a writer for The Skinny who said they believed in violent action against TERFs. And because she did that, she has been labelled a transphobe. She has received death threats. She's had to move her house. She uh, has been no platformed. She has not been supported by various uh, institutions because they're all scared. I mentioned that a number of years ago, I went to see the Scottish government about their Gender Recognition Act stuff. And uh, I raised with them the prospect of uh, an all women political party selection committee or group candidates that I could just say as a man that I'm a woman and then they'd have to let me on it. And I was ridiculed. Well, it's happened. Uh, Meridal Wadway in Stirling has been selected as on a, an all-woman's list for Stirling. Despite the fact that Wadwa is not in possession of a GRC, a Gender Recognition Certificate, meaning they remain legally as well as biologically male, the SNP, in fact, by allowing her to stand on that basis, are breaching their own law, the law of the land. And in actual fact, other male candidates who are not allowed to stand because they're male can object because a male is being allowed to stand because he says he's a woman. Oh, do you know this? These are the people who run the country. These are the people, the posh kids in Cambridge saying, hey, we can't have this working class man, a porter amongst us because he's a transphobe. We can't have this poet. And we can't have this man as a political candidate. But when he says he's a woman, Yes, we can. Oh, well, just let me, let, me, let me move on to abortion. Something else. Today marks 53 years since the passing of the Abortion Act on the 27th of October 1967. Since then, more than nine and a half million babies have lost their lives to abortion. I am pro-life. I always have been pro-life. I was raised that way. I think the right to life is the preeminent right, uh, beyond which no other right means anything. If we don't actually stand up and say something, you know, it's just going to get worse. John Dayan, my uh, Roman Catholic friend, has just been made CEO of the Society for the Protection of Unborn Children. I think he'll do a great job. I think he'll be marvellous. And... You know, we have to continue this fight. COVID may have slain its thousands or its tens of thousands, but abortion has slain its millions and its tens of millions. But there is some good news here. The United States, along with 31 other countries, has signed on Thursday a document declaring there's no international right to abortion. The Geneva Consensus Declaration on Protecting Women's Health and Strengthening the Family was co-sponsored by the US, Brazil, Egypt, Hungary, Indonesia and Uganda. Amongst other countries supporting it, Kenya and Poland and Senegal and Sudan and South Sudan and the UAE and Zambia and the Congo, Belarus, but not the United Kingdom and not Australia shamefully shamefully but it's great they've declared there is no international right to abortion nor any international obligation on the part of states to finance or facilitate abortion i think it's wonderful that the united states has signed up to that and again we 
we that is due to President Trump. Whether you like him or not, he he has taken a good stand on this. And speaking of good news on this issue, and again, something President Trump has done, this happened. Are there any senators in the chamber who wish to vote or change their vote? If not, on this vote, the yeas are 52, the nays are 48, the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett of Indiana to be an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States is confirmed. That is Amy Coney Barrett, Roman Catholic, mother of seven, including two adopted children from Haiti, who's just been appointed to the United States Supreme Court, the third justice that Trump has supported. And that is great news for the abortion fight. It is great news. Okay. Here's a song you, if you know the background, you'll be a bit surprised I'm playing. I want to explain why I'm playing it later. Do you want to be in my gang? You know, when you're at school, now I've got this theory and I want to share it with you. When you're at school, you want to belong to a gang. You don't want to be outside. Uh, you know, you don't want to be on your own. You want to be part of a group. When you go to university, very often you want to be part of a group. Uh, the current moment in time, uh, their group identities do tend to be somewhat woke, middle-class progressives. When you leave university, you know, I was at university with, uh, I remember one person whose daddy was a banker and yet who was a radical socialist wanting to fight for the poor before she went home, literally to her castle in the holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, but normally what happens is you get through university and you grow up. You know, people grow out of it. They usually end up being more right wing than their parents. However, I don't think that's happening just now. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that students are not being taught how to think. They're being taught what to think. They're being indoctrinated in this woke middle class progressivism. The kind of one that wants to sack a porter for daring to say that a woman is a woman. And these people are the ones who end up leading the corporations. You see, they've got the money and they've got the power. For all they talk about equality, they're not interested in equality. They've got the money. They've got the power. And so they go and lead the corporations. They go and become the top lawyers. They're the top media journalists. Just ask how many people in the BBC, percentage-wise, have come from that kind of privileged background. They're the woke, middle-class, liberal, progressive clones who run basically everything. It's their gang. It's their gang. And you don't do what they say, you're out. You don't belong to their gang. Well, back to the song. The song was Gary Glitter. Gary Glitter, somewhat flamboyant, but a pedophile, a very serious pedophile. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everyone who belongs to this gang is a pedophile. I know the Al-Anon or, you know, conspiracy theorists. Forget all that nonsense. But I am saying this, that these people are going to enable continual abuse and evil. It's just wrong. No, I don't want to be in your gang. I want to follow Jesus and I want to have a mind of my own. 
I got a great question and maybe we'll finish with this in a song um, someone asked me about uh, having a gun they point out that they are a passionate target shooter and hunter I'm not going to name them because they requested that I didn't I'm not going to say where they stay although when you hear the next bit you know it's not in Scotland I pride myself that I get to help our farmers by getting rid of feral animals rabbit pig fox feral cat feral dog goat deer and even camel one of the best bits of hunting is being outside, being in creation and spending time with God. I don't take the destruction of any animal lightly and my joy isn't in the killing of animals like many might think. I use them for food, for either myself or give to give away to friends or family. Well, I, I was asked what I thought about it and here's a couple of things. I grew up on a farm. I had an air rifle. I had a 410 shotgun. I learned to shoot a, a 12 bore double barreled shotgun. Uh, my dad had a 2-2 rifle, a range of a mile. I remember shooting that as well. I did go out shooting. I don't have a gun where I am just now. I don't need one in Sydney. I wouldn't want one. It would be wrong to have one. But I don't think it's wrong to shoot for sport. Uh, I don't agree with the uh, somewhat strange, I think, attitude that I don't really understand, so forgive me, to guns within the United States. Um, and I think there should be more controls and I don't see how anyone needs it why anyone needs a semi-automatic or a machine gun but shooting for sport shooting on the land I, I just don't see any problem with it okay we're going to leave you there I'm going to close with Hillsong again beautiful song what a beautiful name you know we've talked a lot of names we've talked Trump we've talked Biden we've talked uh, various political leaders and countries and um, troubles and everything else. I know only one name. I know only one name that in terms of a ballot box for my life that I would be prepared to follow and that is the name of Christ. If you don't know him, you've got to get to know him and if you do know him, you've got to keep looking to him. If you want to support Quantum, then go to the Podbean fundraiser. Uh, if you've got any questions yourself or comments, please feel free to send them to me meanwhile we'll see you next week continue to pray for the people of nigeria pray for those throughout the world who are affected by covid and the many other illnesses pray for the united states as this tremendous decision is being taken uh, and let's pray for us all that god would bless and keep us see you next week <laughs>